0: Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. Another episode of the IndyCar show here. Burnout sports, BurnoutSports.com. Tony D Luke Edwards is here from the IMS museum. Luke, there's a lot of excitement building towards the month of May and in the Indianapolis 500 and the road course race, but we still have Barber to talk about coming up this weekend. We have so much to dive into, man. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Uh, it's good to be back. And I'm, i really am looking forward to the first true road course uh, we've had two street courses and a super speedway um this track is always exciting as we saw last year so uh but yeah i can't help but be excited and pumped because we just had the cars on the oval last week we had all those fans coming in you know it it feels like that's the kickoff of spring and may has kind of already arrived and now we're going to run down to alabama real quick so uh Happy to talk about both things. Let's get into both.
0: Yeah, and so you and I discussed throughout the week. We we put a menu together of what we want to talk about, and and it has really been hard to balance. We don't want to forget about this Barber race coming up this weekend because it's it's very important to the championship. But but when you have cars on the oval last week and you have drivers around the Circle City of Indianapolis hanging up their street signs and doing charity events, it's like you know we're we're so close to the month of May. We've had a lot of news break. We had the qualifying procedure uh, break on Tuesday, kind of how they're going to do that. So I want to start there. And, and we love Barber. We're going to tune in. It's a great race course. We cannot wait for that race this weekend. Uh, but living here in Indianapolis like you and I do, Luke, it, it, it's hard to ignore kind of the the atmosphere and the build up to the 500. And here we are almost into May. We still have one more race. Yes, but almost into May. So let's dive into the qualifying format of the 106 Indianapolis 500. Now, we yeah. the biggest question has been, are we going to have 33 entries? Are we going to have 34? I'm fairly certain we're only going to have 33 because of this. If I'm anybody, and I'm not, I don't know the driver. I mean, I'm not going to say what team it is. But if I'm that team that has the funding and has a driver to run a 33rd entry, I'm going straight to IndyCar, and I'm saying, look, we have no problem being that thirty-third entry, which you need, you need for the traditions, you need for eleven rows of three, yada yada yada. But we want to be the only, the we want to be the last entry. I want you to stop the entries after us, so we are guaranteed a spot in the field. We don't want to, we don't want to tell our sponsors and the team like, hey, we're going to Indy, but then all of a sudden we're the thirty-third thirty-third entry, then all of a sudden there's this thirty-fourth entry, right? So, um. They're gonna have a top twelve instead of a top nine, which is basically what they do on the road and street courses, right, Luke? Like you're gonna have the top twelve qualify, and then, the, then then the top six from that go out and qualify on the for the for the pole position. So I would say this: I like it first and foremost, Luke, because the gap between twentieth to twelfth compared to twentieth to 9th, it, that's a big difference, right? Like if you're sitting there seventeenth or eighteenth, and you're going, man. I got a chance to make that top 12. I got a chance to possibly grab some points. I'm a full season contender. You know what? Let's go back out there. Let's go back out there. We know we're not going to get bumped out of the field because there's 33 entries, but you know what? We're sitting 17th or 18th and there's 20 minutes left on the clock before the gun goes off at the end of qualifying. Let's go make a run. Let's see if we can improve. So I think there was a lot of added drama there, which is what they're going for. Luke, as you know, they want that drama on qualifying weekend. All in all, you can, they, they, they do change the qualifying format a lot, but Luke, I think you would agree. This kind of manufacture some drama that is much needed on qualifying weekend.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you get into that top 12 and then if you're in that top six, you're going out for a third time and, and you're yes. putting those four laps on the line for a third time. Nerve wracking from the aspect of these are already the four most on edge laps that any driver has done in a race car. We've heard that from multiple drivers. You can see it on the onboards. You can see them every corner. They have to adjust the tools to optimize that car, the weight jacker, uh, the front end, just to make sure that that car can make it through the corner. Um, The only drawback I see outside of not having bumping is it is as you're trying to build an audience and get people familiar is the lack of consistency, but I understand where having 33, you do want that extra little bit. Um, I think if we can constantly have, you know, 34, 35, 36 cars showing up, you know, on the entry list way ahead of time, and it's not a concern. Yeah, you want to be as consistent as possible. Um, you know, the fast nine was starting to build up some momentum, but this year is a little bit different. And I agree. If I'm that 33rd car listen i love bumping love it i love the the agony of defeat in contrast to you know the pole winner and the 33rd starter just squeaking their way into the field but i'm with you i mean if you're laying all that money out in the line and they already know how bad they need you to be in the field for that that tradition you could probably pull some strings and say hey let's let's guarantee that we're not going to go out here and stretch ourselves to get a 34th car
0: yeah and you think about this and and i'm in the minority here i know that all the traditionalists say like 33 fastest 33 right but if you have 34 i was not against running that 34th car like you think whoever wins the race is gonna really care that he beat 33 or 34 drivers i i don't think so and you look at the pippa mans of the world charlie kimball last year uh carlin a few years ago with pato award and max chilton when when they don't make the field these sponsors and these teams have not came back and honestly you can go back to sam schmidt motorsports with with james hinchcliffe missing the field um if not for them kind of being bought out or a lifeline being thrown in them whatever you want to say by mclaren and by arrow they you just don't know and missing missing the 500 is monumental And as a sponsor and as a team, you got to look at the risk reward, right? Like you were only going to make $250,000 to start this race. So the purse needs to go up. The money to win the poll needs to go up. That's a different discussion for another time. Uh, but But I'm totally with you on the fact that, look, if you have 33 and you're that 33rd entry, you're saving Roger Penske's ass for lack of a better term. Because remember, Roger Penske, among other things, I know other teams and other Scenarios, But among anything, Roger Penske went from a four-car operation down to a three-car operation. So technically, you could say, like, that's my 33rd right there, and it's no longer there. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I like the format. You're manufacturing some drama. They do change it a lot. But at the end of the day, Luke, I want to know your thoughts on this. The safety is there. Okay. The arrow screen is there. The safer barrier is saved how many lives right we got to start breaking oh, no speed joke. records no joke we've got to go for the pole speed record we've got to be in a 235 236 range
1: yeah and i was curious to see uh where we were at on that poll uh last i checked on the burnout sports twitter poll of if if we thought that was going to happen 20s decade um it, it was like 30 percent to you, you know it was somewhere around there only 30 percent of the people thought that that would happen I think it will happen because I think it's feasible you know spending some time around delara and, and some of their engineers and and higher up staff and still having some friends over there and and uh having a little bit of that info coming in from IndyCar you know the car is capable of it um there are other factors at play i I think that they want to make sure that the cars stay on the ground, first of all. They they don't want cars getting up into the fence at Indianapolis by any means. But uh I just have this feeling, you know, they just pushed this car back to what 2024 at least. So we're gonna continue to use the same format, the same chassis. You know, if we do get a new chassis, that's when I see it happening. Because if you roll out a new chassis, you want to get all the bang for your buck, just like NASCAR did. They're trying new things. They go to the LA Coliseum. Well, what's IndyCar's biggest bragging right is speed. It hasn't been broken since 1996. I think a new chassis might be what they're saving it for.
0: I mean, that's almost 30 years ago, right? And and you're trying to get fans to come back out the pull day and, you're, and and bump day too. Uh, You're never going to replicate the 100,000 fans that you had on qualifying day. And I'm going to say this, Luke, and a lot of people may think that I'm being uh, a little bit out of line. But look, there hasn't been a death at the Speedway since I think late 2004 with Tony Renna. The last two deaths that we've had is, is, is Dan Weldon and Justin Wilson, which I think most people would agree. That was a perfect storm of very bad circumstances. Um, Both you're the of only car on the track. Yeah, you're the only car on the track running four laps. You have enough downforce to be able to keep that thing on the ground. There's going to be crashes. It's inevitable, right? When you're driving anything over 200 miles an hour, you are going to have crashes. But if they want to get fans back in the stands, they need to be going faster than what they were going 25 years ago, right? Like in 1996, when they were when Ari Dyke went 236 miles an hour. 25 years before that would have been 1971 which I think was the last really roadster race as you know roadsters to records at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway museum um but like it is it's almost like detrimental right like we haven't moved forward in the speed category i'm not saying you need to go 250 255 260 but i think these guys are capable enough and what what separates them from the average Joe, like, no offense, you and me, Luke, that talk about it, is the fact that these guys can go out every Sunday and do extraordinary things inside of a race car at extreme speeds. It's about time that we start looking in the mirror and saying, okay, we need to go faster. We need to at least flirt, at least flirt with 236 or 237 miles per hour, which we know is the fastest unofficial record. Uh, there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. All right, Luke. Let's look at the schedule for the month of May that just came out. Um, I have heard, I haven't seen it on record that you that the top twelve will get a practice before the final qualifying session there, where the top twelve go out and the top six advance to the top six. Yes, kind of crazy that you got like you're almost being penalized with an extra attempt for making that top twelve. But that's the drama that's being generated. Please, God, give these guys some championship points for having the balls to go out there and put it on the line three times at bare minimum. Uh, But I do like the schedule. Um, I wish that Monday practice, selfishly, Luke, would be more than 12 to 2. Like, give us four or five hours because, as you know, kind of like what we saw on Thursday of last week, that's been one of the best practices we've seen all year.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought the same thing when I saw that, you know, maybe a little bit of an extension. I don't know if they're just trying to conserve costs and just give them a little, you know, kind of pre-carb day shakedown practice. Let's get a few notes in. Let's get our, uh, our our race trim settled in after that hectic Sunday, Saturday and Sunday of qualifying. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Monday practice is going to be. Kind of like we've seen in Carb Day. It's going to be all 33 cars just thrashing around, trying to run in traffic. You're going to see the teammates going out. Uh, so the more teammates you have, the better you you can get a feel for running in traffic. They'll, they'll kind of do that whole brigade thing, trading spots thing um, that we've seen. Uh Yeah, I, I like the schedule. I think it's going to work out well. Definitely agree with them giving those guys an extra practice, the ones that qualify in that uh, in that top 12 before they go back out. Because as you and I both know, Tony, this track changes so much hour by hour. The weather in Indiana 100%. changes like crazy anyway. So you got to let them go back out because even if there's a shadow or a cloud or track temp goes up or down a few degrees, all of a sudden turn one, is a totally different animal and you need a totally different setup on the car or, or at least a chance to adjust for it. And it gives these teams a better chance to really show us what they got. And let's, let's at least get close because they are flirting, you know, they've been up there in the two thirties. So give them a chance to squeeze every last bit out of these cars in the current format.
0: And, and honestly, you think about, okay, so they're going to go out, let's say between the hours of three and five o'clock. Right. I kind of almost would like to be moved up because we talked about like qualifying draw on Saturday and all those guys going out in the first hour where it's a little bit cooler and maybe you get some cloud cover going to run faster laps. So the faster laps more than likely on that Sunday would be found between the hours of 11 a.m. and one. So I would like to see that moved up, especially if we're not going to see bumping or the last row shootout, which I 98% don't expect to see. Um, but it's going to be fun. You know, I mean, look, I talked to a bunch of drivers last week during the tests and they said the same thing. And Canon said it best. We only have six days in the month of May to lock in our race car. Right. And one of those days we lose because fast Friday is all about qualifying and turning up the boost and trimming the car out as much as we can. So it's like, okay, that's why last week's two tests were so important and i wish mother nature would have cooperated a little bit better but at the end of the day uh we still got some fast times and we still got a lot of track time in so uh let's talk about barber before we go back to that indianapolis 500 test i'm trying to break it up a little bit because as you know as we talked about at the beginning of the show (laughs) we want to jump straight to may but we still have a race left uh before we get there uh barber okay new joseph newgarden three out of six he's been hot this year I guess the biggest storyline going in Luke is: Can anybody knock off Team Penske's dominance through the first three races of the season?
1: Man, that's been the question, right? And it's kind of funny where Barber falls on the schedule this year because last year, as we as, as you know, it was race number one about this time of year, about a week ago, um, and and it kind of set the tone for the season in a way. You know, New Garden. Bounced back after a horrible first lap incident coming up over the hill. He just lost it himself. Uh, ended up being a huge pileup, which we can break down a little bit more in a second. But, you know, you saw Palo win. And that just continued the whole season. You know, he gets runner-up at Indy and he wins the championship. The kid was on a tear all year. He was never out of the hunt. Um, now, with it being the third race in the season, is it going to set the tone? I'm not so sure because Penske really has already done that. You've had McLaughlin win. You've had Newgarden win. And Will Power, their other driver who hasn't won yet, finished second there to Palo last year. Um, so I I think that you've got a strong team, Penske, at one of their strongest tracks, you know, of of the six former winners that are in this field. You have, oh gosh, I think you have. Close to that same number, you know. You have New Garden, you have Willpower, and you have Elio in 2010, who won for Team Penske. They've got this track down pat. I think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. They've got the target on their backs going into this weekend for sure.
0: Yeah, and and you think about like you mentioned the past winners. Sato needs to have a really good run. He run here a few years ago with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. Joseph New Garden's been so good there. Scott Dixon's been great there. Doesn't have a win, which is kind of incredible to think about. It's one of the only courses on the schedule where he doesn't have a victory. So um, I I, I really think that this is the weekend that Team Penske will be knocked off, at least for the weekend, right? I think Alex Pillow is going to be up there. Dixon will be back up there. I think Graham Rahal has ran very well there. Uh, And because, honestly, you go into the month of May, you got the road course race that Will Power has been absolutely dominant in. And really, Penske, I think, has won every one except for two road course races at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It might only be one. I know Pagano won uh, for a different team. But nonetheless, um, so, like, you're going to go in the month of May thinking, like, okay, Team Penske is probably going to win the road course in Rogers' backyard. And then anything, as we know, can happen in the Indianapolis 500 Uh, even though they did not have a good 500 last year. They had a really good test last week. We will get into that. Um, So I'm going to go Alex Pelot. Who do you think, Luke, is the best chance to knock off a Team Penske driver coming up on Sunday?
1: I know I keep saying this, and it hasn't come true this year yet, but I'm going to go with Dixon just because, you know, 11 starts the same as Will Power. He's got nine podiums and an average finish of three point four he's knocking on the door every single year at barber when is when is his luck gonna just come through because all he needs is just a little bit of luck to go his way I mean the guy already is like sanctified in IndyCar. car we saw last week in Long Beach or a couple weeks ago in Long Beach you know one of the few drivers that I've seen make so much contact and it doesn't affect him goes a lap down doesn't affect him this is one of his strongest tracks, so he's my pick to win for sure if anyone's going to knock off Team Penske.
0: And I don't think Joseph Newgarden is going to make the same mistake as he did on lap one last year and, and, and spin out in front of the field and end his day. Um, so I talked to a lot of drivers last week. I, I wanted to bring up a few. Jack Harvey, Takuma Sato, obviously Alexander Rossi is a guy. Um, Connor Daly as well. Who are some guys you're looking for this week that really need a good run at Barber to pretty much get their season back on track?
1: Actually, who I'm looking at would be Scott McLaughlin. Um, I know he's second in points right now, but you know, the Penske standard is first, you know. Um he struggled at Barber last year. Uh he got fourteenth place. I think it's one of his uh it's one of his weaker areas i think some of these kind of rolling road courses which is is funny maybe it's because he's so used to running those gt cars and he's just adapting to the handling but with the momentum that he had at the beginning of the year in the first two races he's got to carry that through as you know momentum is so important tony Mm -hmm. in any form of sports but especially when you're competing against your teammates for the win that standard is there uh, he's going to have access to a good setup. Um, I I know that's weird to say, but I feel like he, if he falls off here, this is kind of that point in the season, the fourth race, where it it could kind of be a bad omen going into the 500. You know, I'm with you 100% on this with Scott McLaughlin. Okay, He, he, he got a race win
0: out of the way, and that's kind of like the hardest thing. If you're going to compete for a championship and you're going to be taken seriously – got to win a race okay he's done that he dominated texas to finish second i want to see what he can do over the next three races because that's really going to determine if he is a championship contender or not the indianapolis 500 with double points makes or breaks your championship season if you're going to be a contender to win the season-long championship you bare minimum have to finish in the top 10 at the indianapolis 500 he didn't run well there last year he is going to go to the Speedway road course for his third time. So it's probably the the track that he has the most experience on. We're really going to find out over the next three weeks or next three races, uh, the next 33 days or so, if Scott McLaughlin is a championship contender or not. Let's look at a few more things coming up for Barber. Um, Colton Herta, maybe one of the weirdest kind of drivers to pinpoint. He's been really good at tracks. He struggled at tracks. When you come back to Barber, he's finished 22nd, 12th, and 23rd. This is the guy we know can dominate races, but still end up not winning them. And everybody praises Colton. He's in the rumor mill all the time about going to Formula 1. Yes, he is still very young, what, 22 years old. A lot of learning to do. Is this a place where Colton Hurta can can get his struggles of not only the start of this season, but his struggles and his career at Barber, can he push these aside and end up on the podium?
1: I totally agree. Uh, um, he's, he's just always had speed, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I really like guys like that. You know, it kind of tugs on the old heartstrings a little bit when you see these guys that are just thrashing on a car and just have raw speed. You want that to be the type of racing and the type of racer mentality that pumps out wins. And championships, you know, it kind of reminds me of like Juan Montoya or, or Jacques Villeneuve back in the day. Uh, last year, that 23rd place, though, he kind of had New Garden just uh blast him in the face on lap one. So it's gonna be, I-, I think he's gonna be one of the most interesting people. I don't even have a prediction for him. I think he's just mm-hmm. watch him because this is gonna be a telltale sign of his of his grit and what that team that that uh gamebridge team is made out of um but yeah he's got to get up there i think he's mired way down in the points right now for where he should be where we expect him he's not even in the top 10 he's in 11th and this is a guy that's talked about so much you know he's got to get into that top five championship hunt has to and like you said next two races haven't been his strongest suits so the next uh after barber so i'd say barber Indy GP and the Indy 500 pay really close attention to Colton Herta, Like you said, all of the drivers, this is your make or break season, and he's got to get that top 10 at the 500.
0: And another layer to that is Andretti Autosport as a whole, right? Like Alexander Rossi has had some of the worst luck, so to speak, of anybody over the last year and a half, maybe even two years. Roman Grosjean has had really good runs. He's been pretty consistent. Um, is this a weekend where maybe Andretti Autosport breaks out, right? We're waiting for Colton Hurdle to win a race. Grosjean has been up front for two out of the three races so far this year. Rossi's been like a coin flip as far as is he going to be a contender? Is he going to qualify well? Your thoughts on Andretti Autosport coming into this weekend with uh, Grosjean, Rossi, and are looking for great runs. And then Devlin De Francesco trying to kind of find his rhythm, so to speak, uh, to start his rookie campaign.
1: Well, it is always so hard to find your rhythm when, when you're mired back in the pack. But as far as Andretti as a whole, you know, one thing that gives me hope is amidst their their two-year struggle with Rossi, um, last year Rossi and Paddle were going at it. You know, he qualified second – he ran second behind Pato and it started closing in when Pado's tires started to go off and he started kind of sliding around the track and, and got major oversteer um, in that first stint of the race. That's where we saw old Rossi come back last year. I, this is one of those tracks where I feel like looking at the trends of of your new gardens, your, um, you know, the well, I'd say even more than that, Will Power and Scott Dixon. It's one of those tracks where, It can transcend a a type of car maybe a setup maybe the weather because the guys that we've seen consistently get pulls and consistently win and get podiums have transcended across multiple variations of the current car and even back into the old chassis uh will power winning back to back in 11 and then they switch cars and he won again in 12. so great opportunity for rossi i'm not sure how similar grosjean and rossi set their cars up if they can share a lot of data but I think this track really suits him. I mean, we, we see him always be competitive at Road America, very similar kind of sprawling track with elevation changes and off-camber, on-camber, downhill braking, that sort of stuff. Um, I, I agree this is going to be another signal for that whole team, not just Herda, on what are they made out of and can they turn the season around or at least compete for a win. Herta, we know has the speed to compete for a win we saw in Long Beach. But yeah, I I think that you're going to ha- have a surprise out of Grosjean, actually, because he's just mm. motivated. I think he's just yeah. so motivated for that first win.
0: Yeah, and with Grosjean, you're coming back to these tracks for a, mostly a second time. Obviously, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, you're coming back to a third time where he pretty much was spot on the first two times, so... You're kind of coming back to these car these tracks for the second time. Yes, it's with a different team. Uh to wrap up Barber here, Luke. If I'm gonna give you a Team Penske or the field, who are you going to take coming up on Sunday?
1: Man, it would be wild to get the first four. <laughs> it's just so yeah. tough. You know, when's when is the last time that would happen? That's something I'll need to look up this week and, and I'll tweet it out to uh Burnout Sports and uh and tag us. Um, it's got to be Dixon though. I just looking at those stats, you know, looking at the average finish being almost a podium, I yeah. think he's your guy. And then having the data from you know the aero screen car and the win last year with Pelot, you've got momentum on both of those drivers' shoulders, um, carrying that whole team. You know, even Jimmy Johnson, despite last week, he's even got a little momentum. So I think Ganassi morale is high. And and they all know that they're the team that has to beat Penske. It's it's an old Penske Ganassi showdown like we've talked about before. That's my guide to uh, to go against Penske.
0: No, I'm exactly with you because if anybody's gonna beat anybody, if anybody's gonna beat Penske, it's gonna be Ganassi. And you're right, Scott Dixon and Alex Palou are the or the or the top two contenders. To do that, but we have seen this race become a fuel mileage race. We have seen some drivers stretch it out. We saw Sato a few years ago catch that right caution. So it could happen. I'm gonna go to the field. I think Alex Pillow is going to be my pick to win. Now that could change if he struggles in practice or qualifying, but I do like Alex Pillow. Uh, and then we can put a bow on Barber. Thank you for your time. Let's get to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Luke, let's look back to last week's practice. I'm going to call it a practice. It was a test, but these drivers really took to it as these are two extra practice days for us to get out there and collect as much data as we can. Luke, the biggest thing we know was the warm-up lane, and we saw it on Wednesday. Alexander Rossi on his first outlip spun that Elio Castro Neves destroyed his race-winning car from 2021. And then a few minutes later, as you and I were trying to, to get connected, Will Power spins and collects Colton Herda. It looks like they have gotten that traction compound fix. Uh, but Luke, two very, three really, but two very scary incidents by veteran drivers and former winners of this race.
1: Yeah, that was the, one of the first things that you pointed out when uh, when we finally linked up after the third time it happened with Power was these aren't rookies you know these aren't yeah. second year drivers these are race winners you know these are indy 500 winners veterans champions who have like like will power said i have gone out on that warm-up lane hundreds and hundreds of times and uh it, he said to to you when we were walking through gasoline alley later that day um well he said a few things that i can't say <laughs> but it, you know hold on hold on
0: i'll say it i'll say it so luke and
1: i walked around
0: and we found will power and i said what happened and he said it effing scared the
1: shit out of me it was like i was driving on water and that just blew my mind because (laughs) that whole experience was was wild so my office window at the museum looks right out into turn one and it was the end of my day there, so I'm I'm calling Tony to link up with him. I'm I've got the phone ringing, and the pack is coming by, so I'm just kind of watching, you know, not really paying any attention. And I see Will Power coming out, and I watch the whole thing, you know. For some reason, I locked onto his car, and it just snaps, you know, like he said, it was like he hit a patch of water, a puddle, or something. Back end goes around, scrubs off so much speed, which is even scarier. And by the time his car goes across the grass and up in, I mean, I've dropped the phone down to here. And I'm just yeah. thinking that we're going to see uh, something terrible. Yeah, honestly, I'm thinking I'm about to watch somebody die here. Um, we know what happens. Uh, the drivers, you know, we don't have to shy away from it. The drivers talk about the Zanardi crash. Well, Power talked about it. And kudos to Colton Herta with those quick hands sacrificing uh his his own car and and you know putting it in the fence to avoid collision that would have been detrimental i i mean i don't know how somebody would survive that i think the the last time we saw a crash like that may have been um uh, paul dana you know godspeed may have been that at, at homestead um but what do we find out you know i heard some things from some facilities guys out there but i'm curious what you heard on the beat tony
0: it seems like it's been fixed right we didn't see anything on thursday and that was the big test and this is something that you have to have corrected for the month of may and Firestone did a great job. Doug Bowles and the entire Indianapolis Motor Speedway team did a great job the night before, despite the rain, to get out there and lay some more traction down. And, you know, some you just you just don't know. It's it's nobody's fault. Okay. You've got a bunch of cars going out on a surface that hasn't been tested. And obviously what happened was awful. I mean, Elio spun right in front of me, and his contact was right in front of me. And Kudos to Marcus Erickson for twice missing an accident. I know you gave, gave praise to Colton Hurt as well, but Marcus Erickson was right in in both of those. Um, to see Elio's crash right in front of me, I was stunned. Like, I had nothing to say. And then you see the dejection on his, on his body, on his face. Like, this is the car that I won my fourth history-setting Indianapolis 500 win, and I'm looking at it destroyed. Now, obviously, they'll fix that. They'll get it back going. Hopefully, they donate to the museum, but uh, that's another topic for another time. But, yeah, I, I think it's <laughs> fixed uh, from what I know. Um, but, again, thankfully, Thursday got through clean and green once the weather cooperated. We did see Joseph Newgarden top of the speed charts. Takuma Sato was second. Um, Your takeaways from that second day, a clean day, which is the first takeaway, um, but a clean day of day two testing out there at the Speedway last Thursday.
1: Well, obviously it was a little bit condensed with the weather, which uh, hopefully isn't indicative of May. I I saw everybody take to social media and say, hey, when it rains in April, then we usually have a clear May. I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, your, your top four are all Indy 500 winners um i i think i saw on burnout sports that the um pato award had the fastest trap speed top speed of mm-hmm. 238 now did that still stand yeah. was that okay i believe it wow I believe first it of all <laughs> and i mean 238 that's top speed in the draft and that you're talking the first little group of tests and really this was kind of one test day with the amount of time they got um yeah but yeah, right behind all the 500 winners in yeah. fifth was Scott McLaughlin, who had a yeah. big struggle at Indy last year. So looking at that, and then, you know, the one that really stood out to me was Marco. You know, yeah. I I see a lot of people give Marco crap. Um, he's got a big name, it, it, two, you know, two generations of championships and wow i mean if he won the 500 can you imagine the pandemonium that would ensue and the thing that we kind of forget is he was always a contender you know in those early dw 12 years he was always so you know is that magic gonna come back does he know that he only has a few opportunities left is he at the point where hey every year might be my last opportunity maybe he maybe he gets some magic back but uh I think there are a few more surprises up there. <laughs> They're looking at the well, speed charts. There's definitely one that stands out.
0: Well, let's not uh, let's not go give Joseph Newgarden a Borg Warner Trophy quite yet. He did have the fastest time on Thursday. Uh, Takuma Sato really impressed me. I was actually in his pit, uh, kind of standing there that last happy hour, and I was like, neither the Dale Coin Racing cars are out here. And then all of a sudden, Malukas gets wheeled out, and then Sato gets wheeled out. He climbs in. Three laps in, the dude put the second best time uh, of the day. And then I actually got to meet him on Saturday. Not that I haven't met him before, but I went and saw him at one of the Fusics Hardware grand openings and got his autograph, which was really cool. So I promise you, everybody that follows Burnout Sports and the IndyCar show, when I know about an autograph session, I will 100% tweet it out as I did. Uh, Really, the radio station that was promoting it, uh didn't really mention it at all. It wasn't on their Twitter, it wasn't on their Facebook. And I was like, you know, you want your this 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 hardware store that's paying probably some pretty good money to promote this. You want to hear more about it and have it posted out. So um I tweeted out a few times. You can still retweet if you would like to win a hero card uh signed by Takuma Sato. So I was really impressed by that car because Lucas, we mentioned last year, Pietro Fittipaldi was very fast in that car, qualified 12. You put Sato in there. Uh, what do you like about Sato and that Dale coin racing team coming into the month of May? Because I think he's, even though he's a two-time winner, could be a sleeper, uh, come race day.
1: And what's funny is both the years that he won, he was kind of a sleeper. So, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) when are we going to start, you know, when are we going to stop sleeping on Sato? Um, We've seen the speed there this year. He had a couple tussles and a bad result in Long Beach, but the first two races, he he definitely showed speed and showed competitiveness. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's running fifth. I mean, back in 2020, he was right there. 2019, he was right there in that top five, which is what you need to be in, as I say all the time at the 500. I uh, I think publicly he's kind of recognized like you said as a dark horse in in my eyes he's not i expect him to be in that top five at the end of every indy 500 now and we know dale Coyne has speed we we've seen it with Ferrucci in the past couple of years as well so uh that one was was impressive i think everybody was excited to see jimmy johnson seven time shoot up to the top of the charts uh he ultimately came in eighth but, you know, that was the fastest laps he's ever run in a race car, the fastest that his human body has ever traveled through space and time outside of being on an airplane. So um, we saw that confidence on the oval and we know Indy is a different animal. I think his comfort level just spiked and he's with that strong and nasty team that's got a lot to prove this year.
0: Yeah, and so I I got to talk to a lot of drivers on Wednesday and Thursday between media bullpens and just kind of walking through the pits, and I'm always thankful for that. But um, what was talked about a lot was what do you take out of these two days? How important are these two days? And, and Luke, you and I talked about it on the last show. Like, if you're down on the speed charts, you're going, ah, it's just a test where you're trying things. If you're up on the speed charts, you're saying – We got some speed. We're ready to go for the month of May. So we got to talk to Jimmy Johnson, which was really cool. And as you mentioned, Luke, he discussed this is the fastest he's ever gone. The hand feels fine after the injury um, at Long Beach. He's gaining confidence. He's on probably one of the top two or top three teams when it comes to the Indianapolis 500 solely uh, in Chip Ganassi Racing. So it's going to be really fun to watch what Jimmy Johnson can do Coming up in the month of May. A couple more things before we wrap up. I did get a chance to talk to Graham Ray Hall. I do love Graham Ray Hall's confidence, and I do love the fact that Graham Ray Hall always tells it how it is, whether people agree or not. He did tell me that he thinks that he is a top three driver in the sport and that a few things need to get better on the team, quote unquote. For that to happen, where are you at on Graham? Ray Hall, a guy who has ran quick at Barber, has had good races at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and has had some pretty good Indianapolis 500 runs despite not having a victory uh, in the 500. Your thoughts on Ray Hall saying that he's a top three driver in the sport?
1: Well, you know, he's had some really impressive race wins in the past. Uh, I think it's hard to... It's hard to stay in that discussion, and I'm sure as a competitor, it's hard to be left out of that discussion as a result of not having race wins recently. Um, Tony, wh- when was his last race win? I've been trying to remember, and I, I didn't have time to look it up today. But it's Texas been a hot and, second. Texas in 16? Or was D De-
0: I'm sorry. I think he did sweep Detroit, the doubleheader, and I believe that was either 16 or 17. I think it was 17.
1: Okay. Yeah. That I'll look that up real quick while we're doing this, but I mean, as in terms of Indy, if he's talking about Indy, all right, he's another, you know, he's another driver that's always in that top five. He had a late charge in 2020. I understand where he's coming from. Sometimes you've just got to have that kind of confidence to tell yourself. Um, yeah, Um But I want to see him win races. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys where, He's been around for a long time. He's a veteran. It would be great to see Team Ray Hall get another win, a father-son combo, especially at that. Um, we haven't seen that in our lifetime. So, yeah, I, I'm yeah. just concerned that you got to back it up. You got to back it up, and that's a very bold statement. It, it, it hopefully results in some extra confidence out of that team. Last year was really tough. I mean – Talk about a what if. That's one of the biggest what ifs. He had one of the fastest cars in the whole field. We'll have to see. And, you know, going back to 2019, the last, you know, the last kind of non-COVID Indy 500 got taken out, a lot of people would Mm -hmm. say. I would say he got taken out. Uh, So it's really tough to see. And, you know, that was another race where he said, we had the car, we were charging. And when you look at the positions he was picking up, at the rate he was picking them up, yeah, it's tough to argue with that, but it's just hard, I think, in public perception to agree when he hasn't won a race in a while.
0: So 2017, he did win back-to-back uh, the streets of Detroit. I'll say this. As you mentioned, 2019, he had the fastest car in the field and was charging before. uh remember that wreck with Sebastian Bourdais and then I think Ferrucci. That was the, that was the race that Ferrucci kind of dove through the grass uh, to avoid everything, and Dale Jr. got all excited about it. 2020 finishes third had a really good car. And I would say like had a great run, but his teammate beat him like Sato beat him. So you weren't even the best guy on your team that day last year. Terrible circumstances had a great race. So the, so the stats aren't going to back Graham Ray Hall up of him saying he's a top three driver, but as a car owner and as if I was a driver, what the hell else do you expect him to say? Ah, oh, you know, I, I'm a top 10 driver. I'm comfortable with that. No, I want a guy in my car sure. who believes that he's a top three driver. If I'm a driver, I'm going to believe that I'm the best, not even the top three, that I'm the best. And when you lose that confidence, you kind of lose your, your ass as a race car driver, right? Like every 33 drivers will start the Indy 500 at the end of the month thinking they have a chance to win. And if you don't, You've already lost the race before the green flag even dropped. So I'm not I'm I'm not opposed to him saying that. I have no problems with him saying that. But let's go back it up, Graham. Like I'm in your corner, like you a lot. Let's go do it. Let, and these next three races at Barber, where he's been fast, the Indy GP, where he's been really good, and the 500, who he's probably had a really great car over the last two or three years. Let's go do it. So let's keep our eye on Graham Rahal coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, To kind of wrap up the test next week, it was really good to be out there. It was awesome to see all the fans. They opened up a concession stand there by the museum. It was certainly cool to see that, even though it was a little bit of a chilly day, the fans came out to enjoy that. Um, The latest on the 33rd and 34th entries, stick tight to BurnoutSports.com and Burnout Sports Twitter account. We'll have have you up to date uh, when it comes to that 33rd entry. I am in firm belief that we will only see 33 entries for the 500. We will not see a 34th. Um, some of the drivers, Racer Magazine had rumored uh, Sebastian Savadra, Spencer Piggott, not going to happen. Ryan Hunter Ray, who has been hanging out in the Hoonklo's Hollinger pits, probably not going to happen. Uh, Steph Wilson, Charlie Kimball, I think there is some chances with those two drivers. Um, but outside of that, I mean, those, those Catherine leg, I think was rumored there. Simona Di Silvestro, who was in the 500 last year with the announcement from Peretta, they're going to team up with Ed Carpenter racing and run the road and street courses really takes them out of the 500 this year. So I think we'll see 33 and 33 only Luke, uh, any thoughts or, uh, observations on, on, on those things in that 33rd entry coming out
1: yeah like we said at the top of the show i i kind of agree if it's this late in the game that 33rd entry is going to have a lot of leverage a lot Mm. of leverage to say hey i'm your make or break do you want bumping or you know are are you gonna risk losing more sponsors are we gonna come back to the same problem again next year or do you just want to have this tradition They've already got yep. the provisions with the with the qualifying setup for that 33 only run. So I don't mind. I, I would have been gutted if we had 32 cars. Um, you know, there are a lot of traditions that we see come and go, but that's just one of those things. It's like let's at least do this. And in the modern era of IndyCar, to your point earlier, if we did get 34, I wouldn't be been out of shape about that. You know it would be something to talk about it would be an extra thing that's happened twice in the modern era of indycar we had 35 mm-hmm. entries in 1997 with the first introduction of uh, irl cars in the second year yeah. of irl and then in 1979 with the usac cart split fiasco so mm-hmm. uh i think you're right though i think you're absolutely right i don't see logistically one extra entry coming in unless they can have some guarantees financially if they get bumped and it's very late in the game
0: yeah and if i'm a team owner i don't let's say it's gonna you know it's probably not gonna be andretti who hollinger's been in the rumor mill maybe even aj Foyt. can peretta bring in some of their people whoever that team owner is is it worth it for me to give up one of my driver's backup cars and if it's who Sollinger hollinger who has a rookie or it's A.J. Foyt, who has a rookie, and Dalton Kellett, who has found the wall many times at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm going, yeah, if I'm going to field this car, I at least want to be guaranteed a spot in the starting field. And like you said, let's, I'll scratch your back, and we'll be the 33rd entry. You scratch my back and just go ahead and cap it there, and we'll call it a day, regardless of what driver and what money is in that cockpit. It's still a 33rd entry, and you get your tradition because traditionalists are very upset right now over the balloons, which, Luke, we're just not even going to get into. It is what it is. Uh, not Kudos it. to the Speedway for just doing away with it if that's what everybody wants. Um, so it, it's it's more so just avoiding a headache and not having those balloons go off. So it is what it is. 1 o'clock on Sunday, Barber, NBC Sports. Um, check out the NBC Sports Predictor app. We will have you covered all week on Burnout Sports, Burnout Bets, at Luke Edwards Indy, at Tony D. Indy as well. May 1st is Sunday. Barber will be a great race. We hope you will tune in and check us out all weekend. Follow us on all of our social media channels and on YouTube, Burnout Sports, sports BurnoutSports.com. For Luke Edwards and Jared Sparkman, I'm Tony Donahue. Enjoy the race weekend, and let's get ready for May.